Amen. What a great song. You may be seated. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, just be able to talk about forgiveness in our uh, series on relationships and what that means to us. Uh, real relationships, all the things that we deal with in life, all the issues that go on along in our lives. That's what we're going to be talking about as we continue this series. Today we focus, as I said already, on, a, on forgiveness and what that means to us as individuals, on how that lives in our life. The Bible is just filled with words about forgiveness. That's just great for us too, right? Man, we need that so much. We need to hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the good news of the fact that he loves us and cares so much for us. He has great compassion for us, and his forgiveness is for us. I mean, that's a, that's a great word. That's the good news that we talk about. That's what we talk about when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he can forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything about us, he cleanses us and makes us whole, heals us and restores us. The Bible just helps us to understand that. The Bible gives us so much insight to that. It allows us to see clearly what he wants to say to us about forgiveness. Now, when we think about forgiveness in terms of relationships, in terms of what that means for us, forgiveness is a a big part of that, right? It's a big part of who we are. Uh, You you remember the story in Matthew chapter 18 uh, where Peter comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, how much should I forgive someone? Should I forgive someone seven times? And Jesus then tells him, no, you forgive someone 77 times or seven times seven. There's a couple of different ways to translate that, to look at that word. But the point is not a number in that, that Jesus was teaching us. He wasn't teaching us there's a certain number of times we forgive someone and then we don't have to forgive them after that. Again, that's not what he was teaching us in that passage. He was teaching us in that passage that forgiveness is unending. It's something that continues to happen. We can't just put a number on it like Peter was trying to do to say, well, if I just give, forgive someone seven times, then that should be good enough. And Jesus proclaims, no, that is not good enough. That is not how it works. It's not about a number. It's about an attitude of the heart. And Jesus teaches that. Then in that chapter, in chapter 18 of Matthew is really where we find that teaching that Jesus begins to teach about a heart attitude that's going to really focus on forgiveness, for focus on the fact that in relationships with people around us, forgiveness has to occur. And he makes that plain. He makes that clear to us. So it becomes very important for us in our relationships with those around us in our family and our friend relationships and our work relationships to begin to understand then how do we forgive those that we're around all the time, understanding God's great forgiveness into our lives. Now, most of us in the room today would not hesitate to say, yes, we know that God has forgiven us. Yes, we understand that God clearly cares for us and loves us, has forgiven us of our sins, has made us right with him. Most of us would be able to acknowledge that, to talk about that. Yet when it comes down to practically doing that for those in our family, and our relationships, it's much harder to do. We would all agree with that. It's a hard thing to do that when someone hurts us or harms us or says something against us or does something that, that really is a refocus of our lives or, or really it's something that says bad things about us, it's hard for us to deal with forgiveness. 
It's hard for us to deal with the forgiveness of past relationships, those who have hurt you in those relationships. Maybe a husband who has walked away or someone who has, who has left you in financial straits or a wife who has done something or a child who has said something to you or a parent who has done something. So all those relationships have to deal with what it means to be forgiven. And the Bible teaches us a lot about that. Now, I think, honestly, as I've worked through this, most of us know about that. We know what forgiveness is, but how does it really happen? What happens inside that? How does it really happen in order to allow us to come to that place in order to forgive someone? Well, first of all, I think we have to start by understanding the blame issue, right? So the thing that oftentimes happens is the whole idea of us shifting the blame to someone else. Who's going to get blamed for the problem, right? There's always somebody who's going to get blamed for the problem. The first person I think we oftentimes blame is ourselves, you're here today, and there's something in a relationship, something that's happened in your life, and you immediately begin to blame yourself. I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I could have done this better, or I take all the blame upon myself. That, that happens so much. And one of the hardest things that we have to deal with in a relationship is how do we forgive ourselves, right? How do we forgive ourselves for something that we may have said, how something that we may have done to someone, or how do we walk through that reconciliation so we're going to that person or talking to that person or walking through the idea that it's my fault, I've caused this. Now, sometimes I would admit for me personally, it's my fault. I cause it, right? I do things, I say things, I uh, react or I act in certain ways. But as I do that, in order to find self-forgiveness, I've got to be able to come to a place of reconciliation. Maybe that's with another person. Maybe that's with myself. Maybe that's with God. But somewhere in the middle of that, something has to occur where we can be reconciled. Even yesterday, we were at a coffee shop, and we were overhearing this uh, people talking that was a couple of tables over from us. And it was interesting, uh, as, we were, as they were in that conversation, one of them said to the other, well, I didn't think you liked me because of something that had happened in the past. And it was just so interesting as I was actually preparing and reading more for today to hear them talking about that. So here was a, something that had occurred between these two people, and the, one of the persons who was talking was remembering it, saying, I did this to you, and the other person had no recall of that. It was just kind of interesting to hear that conversation because he obviously was blaming himself for something he had said, and the other person was saying, well, I don't even remember you saying that. But he was having a hard time. And I think we do too, right? I think forgiving ourselves and not blaming ourselves is a great part of being able to deal and have the kind of relationships that we need to have. The other person I think that we tend to blame is God. I think that's kind of second on the list. We blame God for things. Uh, we blame God for broken relationships. We blame God for health issues. We bl we've got to blame somebody, right? So if we can't blame ourselves, if we haven't done anything wrong, then we have to blame God. God, you did this. God, you did this. God, you allowed this to happen. But the Bible teaches us that God is about our good as followers of him. He is about our good and our purpose. Romans chapter 8 tells us that, helps us to understand that. If you were to read that, you would recognize that all those things that are happening around us are for the good. Now, it's hard for us to understand that, so therefore we blame God, and it's easy to blame God at that point. I think we also blame people that are closest to us. 
It's also easier to blame a spouse or to blame our children or to blame our parents. Being able to put that blame somewhere else, it's not our fault. We didn't do that because blame, blame has got to go somewhere. That's just the way it works in our human lives. We blame ourselves. We blame God. We blame the person closest to us. And then if we have to, we shift the blame to anyone or to anything because we do not like taking that upon ourselves. Yet, in reality, we have to come to the grip and the understanding that we have to deal with all those things inside our relationships, things that bring our relationships together, things that heal our relationships that happen through forgiveness. And it starts with, as we understand that we're forgiving ourselves, we're forgiving God, if you use that term, that's an odd way of saying that I'm forgiving God for something, when in reality, God has forgiven us for everything. But truth is that there are sometimes we need to acknowledge to God, God, I've blamed you. I need to repent of that blaming you because I know you're the one who is healing and you're the one who is bringing restoration. If you have your Bible with you today, I hope you do. If not, there's one right in the pew in front of you or you have your phone or iPad, whatever you might have. Turn to Psalm 32. In Psalm 32, he gives us some understanding of what it means of this idea of forgiveness, that idea of, of he tells us in the passage, actually we'll look at the first seven verses for just a few moments, and we'll begin to, to recognize that as, as even as the writer of this Psalm, David, even as he has been blaming himself and God and others and people around him, he begins to recognize his own sinfulness inside that and how God, in the middle of that, is going to bring a blessing upon his life. Because really in a relationship, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a blessing inside that, how God is at work inside that. And he tells us that in his word. He gives us that understanding of the blessing even in forgiveness. If you have that Bible in front of you, in Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are forgiven covered. The first thing he tells us there is there's a blessing of the forgiveness of sin. Now we would recognize that, right? We would understand that as God is at work in your life, as God is at work in you, there is that great relief that comes, that great, that great joy of being able to know that our, our sin burden has been lifted especially the sin of salvation, right? When we come to Christ, when we're not a follower of Christ and we become a follower of Christ and we recognize that we no longer are doomed and bound for hell, which is where our direction would be were it not for the righteousness of Christ. But because of the forgiveness that we find of our sin nature, of our sinfulness, of our sin that is focused on our bent away from God, because we are saved from that, then we have, we have the forgiveness of sin that allows us to understand the blessing from the Lord that gives us eternal life, right? That's what the Bible is teaching us. Again, that's the good news. That's the gospel, that that eternal life that we have in Christ is the fact that we should have been punished for our sin. The wages of sin is death, says the Bible, but the gift of God, right? The gift of God is eternal life. So he forgives us, and the blessing of that forgiveness, the blessing is coming from the Lord so that we might have, that you might have eternal life. Now, if you're here today and that hasn't been real in your life, that'd be the first thing we'd want to talk about. How do you might know from God's word how you might become a follower of him? What the Bible might be saying to you, the fact that we want to lift up Jesus as he draws you to himself. 
So the blessing of their forgiveness of sin, we find that right there in the very first verse of Psalm 32, our sins are covered. Second thing he says in verse 2, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is in, in, who, and in whom spirit is no deceit. The second thing we begin to realize there is not only there is a blessing of forgiveness of sin, but there's a blessing of removal from sin. That God has removed the sin from us, whose sin does not count against him. In our relationship, so many times, that's one of the things that we hear about, right? How we do something wrong, and at some point, what we have done wrong comes back up again. It happens in marriages all the time, by the way. Uh, it's that whole idea that you do something wrong in your marriage, and you think it's all taken care of, and then three months later, something else happens, and the spouse says, oh, yeah, but remember when? Oh, I thought you'd forgiven me for that. Well, I did forgive you for that, but I'm not sure I've forgotten about that kind of thing. You know how that happens, right? It works that way. It's counted against us in some way, we would say that, in our relationship. It might not only happen in our marriages, but it also happens in our workplace. It happens with those around us in relationships. And it seems after a certain amount of time, if you do something wrong a certain amount of time, then that relationship begins to fall apart, where Jesus is saying here, as he said to Peter, it's not just seven times you forgive, but the ongoing time. And here in the Old Testament, as God is speaking into David's life, helping David to teach us that the sin is not counted against us. So forgiveness is always there. There's a blessing of the forgiveness. There's a blessing from the fact that the removal of sin, the removal of that sin is in our lives. We keep going in the psalm in verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones wasted away and my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Now, in this verse there, he gives us not only blessings of the forgiveness of sin or the removal of sin, but the blessing that happens of confession of sin. Confession of sin is vital into our lives. Confession to each other is so important according to the New Testament as we are in relationship with the body of believers, how we, how we confess to those around us our mistakes and our struggles and our hurts and our issues so that in that confession, we might understand the blessing that comes from the Lord, a blessing to be able to say as God has worked in our life, as God has done things in our life, we find this blessing of being able to confess. We've heard the phrase before that confession is good for the soul, uh, and oftentimes we think, well, it's good for somebody else's soul, not so good for mine because I don't want to confess these things that are around us because we have such a hard time with that. We have a really difficult time being able to confess our feelings or the things that we do wrong or our actions, our attitudes. It is easier oftentimes to confess our action because they're seen publicly or privately with someone else, and those confessions are easier. It's harder to be able to confess our attitude, confess our thinking, yet the Bible encourages us to have the right kind of thinking. Matter of fact, he tells us that we put on the mind that is in Christ, the mind of Christ. He tells us that in Philippians. And as we have that mind of Christ and what the mind of Christ might be, it might be the fact that in the middle of our thinking, we have to then confess 
those sins, those things that we're thinking about or looking at there's in our mind that are not even our actions, but what we think or what our attitudes might be. So in this understanding of, of Psalm 32, he helps us to understand the blessing that we have of forgiveness, the blessing that we have of the very fact that those sins are removed from us, and then the confession that happens inside that. Now, we go back a little bit and we talk about the blame. Oftentimes, we don't confess because we blame someone else or we blame ourselves, and forgiveness gets mixed up inside that. But here, when we understand the psalmist, we understand what Scripture says, that when confession happens, forgiveness happens. When confession occurs, then forgiveness and healing and restoration is going to occur. That's what he's teaching us in a great way. The next thing we look at in this psalm, if you go down to the next verse, he would say, well, let's look at verse 5 again. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Well, that last word is a key word in that passage because now we move from the blessing of forgiveness, a blessing of being able to understand that he is going to remove the sin, of confession of sin, to the fact of deliverance that is occurred. See, God's desire is to deliver us even from ourselves. God's desire from the very beginning when man fell, when, when evil came into this world and the struggles began, the very purpose was to deliver us out of our sinfulness, out of our unforgiven state, to a place of Him delivering us and giving us new life. Now, that's vital to relationships with other people around us because we know that as he delivers us and he forgives us and we find a blessing of forgiveness inside of who he is, our response to that then is to be reconciled with those around us, being able to realize that those around us need to hear our lives and see our lives as lives that are forgiven to them. Not only do we shift the blame as we've talking, talked about already, but because of her, the struggles in our life, I think we're, we're shackled by brokenness. I think so many people are shackled by the brokenness that comes along with that. And there, there are four things that go inside this from my understanding of Scripture. Anger is a huge part of unforgiveness. As we are angry with each other, the anger of unforgiveness, of how you're angry toward another person around you, bitterness that ha comes along with that, the bitterness that's in our life, the bitterness that stops us from, from really moving forward in a lot of ways, uh, resentment that happens inside of unforgiveness, and the hurt that comes along inside that. So those, those four big buckets of unforgiveness in our life, the, the, the big bucket of anger, of the idea of bitterness, uh, resentment and hurt, those things that really do stop us. And I really think they stop us from seeing all that God wants to do in our lives. We talk about the fact that God is working. We sang about that, that even when we don't see it, don't feel it, that God is still at work. But I do believe there are 
times, maybe many times, when our lives are so filled with unforgiveness toward other people that either it's our anger or our bitterness or our resentment or our hurt that really stops the Holy Spirit from working in our lives. It's like a barrier that we have. It's a barrier that you have that you can't see the work of God. You can't experience the work of God. You can't, you can't recognize the miracles that are going on around us. You don't see God at work around you because of whatever it is in your life that's led you to a place of anger or resentment or bitterness of hurt or a combination of all those things would not allow you to see that God is working. Now, I believe that Satan is a, is a big part of that. I believe the devil is the one who is trying to get our focus away from what God wants to do in your life, how God wants to encourage you, how God wants to forgive you, how God wants to heal those relationships. Satan has no desire for you to heal spiritual relationships. So if he can get us to focus on anger and resentment and bitterness and hurt in our life, what happens is that it comes out toward the people around us. It comes out toward those in our family. It comes out toward our spouse or our children or our parents, or our workplace. It's just coming out of us because it's filled us, which is contrary to what the Bible would say to us about as Christians, right? As followers of Christ, we would be people that should be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the gifts of the Spirit in our life, filled with the fruit of the Spirit overflowing out of us. But those things get stopped. The barriers happen when we let unforgiveness drive us to anger, bitterness, resentment, and so much hurt in our life that we can't overcome those things. And our focus is not on the Holy Spirit working in us or recognizing how God is working. It's on the problems of who we are and what we're doing. One last scripture that we'll use today is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. You can mark that however you like because I think it's a key for you in walking through forgiveness in our relationships. I think it's a, a key verse that the Bible teaches us that allows us to move out of a life of anger and bitterness and resentment and hurt so that we might rebuild the relationships around us. Now, we know as we read this verse, the Bible is teaching us and has taught us that as followers of Christ, that we have been forgiven our sin, that we might have eternal life, that Christ is about cleansing us from all unrighteousness so that as we continue through life, that forgiveness is already there. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, he gives us an important key to the relationship of forgiveness. He says in verse 18, all this is from God. Now, he's going back to a whole deal starting in verse 11, talking about reconciliation. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, why do I think that's so important for us? Because I think in our world around us, the world is looking at followers of Christ 
And they're looking at followers of Christ who are standing in the boldness of who Christ is. And we talk about our relationship and we talk about who we are. But oftentimes, we forget the reconciliation of Jesus that has brought us together. And that's a key part of everything we're talking about. The reconciliation of how Christ has brought us as a body together, has brought you as a family together, has brought your relationships together. Christ's reconciliation is the one who has done that. As you are reconciled to Christ, as you are brought into relationship with him, you should be then reconciled to each other and those around us. We should be reconciled in our relationship because not only is he working to reconcile us, but we recognize that he has also redeemed us. So redemption is found in Christ. So if redemption is found in Christ, then we have been redeemed by Christ. We have been brought by his blood. We have been purchased by him. So those around us in our relationships who are believers have also been purchased by him. And so we have a relationship then that must keep growing stronger. That, that seems to be so logical, right? That seems to be so easy to do, but man, it's so hard. It's so hard in our marital relationships. It's so hard in our families. It's so hard with our friends. It's so hard among church members and members of others. It's so hard. But yet at the same time, God has set that before us. And he says that, that we are reconciled to him. We are reconciled to this ministry of reconciliation here. This ministry of reconciliation is the fact that we, as followers of Christ, own the responsibility recognizing that we are reconciled to Christ, recognize that we are redeemed by him, recognize that the power of his grace and mercy is the reality in which we should be living out of. The reality of the power of Jesus in our lives to bring forgiveness for me, for myself, that I might forgive myself of all those things that I know I have done wrong. It doesn't make them right. It means I have to be accountable to them at times, but I, I still recognize the freedom that comes out of that. The freedom that I have when I recognize that when I blame someone in my family, somebody who's closest to me, I, instead of blaming them, bring to a place of reconciling with them. Or the understanding, instead of blaming God for things, that God has been about reconciling me to himself so that I might understand his great love and his forgiveness. So you see, when we talk about forgiveness inside of our relationships, I believe it's a core to everything we are. I believe it's a center to everything that happens. I believe it's the center of the unity of of church. I believe it's the center of unity for families. I believe it's the center for unity as, as believers who are around us all over the world. I believe it's the center of who we are because when we begin to recognize that God has reconciled us, redeemed us, and inside that we have the reality of his power in his life, Because I've said already, the thing I think that stops us from really enjoying the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of what he wants to do in your life. Yes, he is working all around us, but we put up those barriers. They're oftentimes driven out of anger or bitterness or resentment or hurt. And he leads us to this place a place where we know that we have been reconciled to him. 
Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. The Bible declares you that. The power of the resurrected Christ empowers you to that. What today do you need to be forgiven of, forgive yourself of, forgive another person of, so that God's power and spirit can work in you in a fresh new way? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that has you captured? 